Awesome. Welcome back to the pod. Glad to have everyone join us today. Peter, good What's to up, see you, brother. Bro? Always good to be here. Quick announcements before we get today's episode going. Uh, first, for anyone that's new, we do drop two episodes a week. Monday, we do a conversation with a random guest about different types of life, their life experience, business-related topics, life experience topics, etc. So definitely go check out the Monday morning conversations. On Thursdays, which what you are watching today, is the Free Thinking Thursdays with Peter. These are the fun ones. So I'm <laughs> glad you've come and checked that out. We do also have a Discord where we discuss all the topics that we do here. It's kind of fire. So definitely come check out the Discord. Link is in the description. We're also considering doing a live stream eventually. Yes. Something that I think will be a lot of fun. I am trying to decide if we're going to do that on YouTube or maybe even on Rumble. Uh, we could probably, you can, you can simulcast though. We could. I'm concerned because we received our first warning. <laughs> I got an email this morning <laughs> saying you've hit your first warning. Next one's going to be a strike. And if you get a strike, then you will be unable to upload for a week and live stream. So is this indicative of the fact that something's going right? It just means we're <laughs> saying what we need to say. Fair enough. Fair enough. So we will be cross-posting a lot of these episodes on Rumble now. So if one day you look for us and we're no longer here, know that that's probably where we had to go. Mm. Finally, if you're here to pull some clips, because again, we always see it. I'm going to say between TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, we probably have 5 to 10 million views on which, our clips. Which, if we can just sit on <laughs> for just a second, is really amazing. Like to be in the millions of views, and this podcast has been out for what, two months? At best. Yeah. So two months. So it's 60 days, 5 million views on aggregate from multiple social media. Maybe more. Probably more. Yeah. Impressions, certainly more. Correct. Uh, that is amazing. Like that really is amazing. And, 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 and back in the day, if we were to have these type of numbers, we'd be jumping out of our seats thinking, like, how do we monetize this? But now, these days, five million. Nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> But if you look at our subscriber count, our view count on the main channel, it is low. Mm. People say all the time, how do you not have more subscribers? How do you not have more I see views? A lot of that too. We see it every video. Mm. So if you're here to pull clips, please tag us so that they're able to find us again. We're new. We've only been doing this, like Peter mentioned, less than two months. Mm. And it's not easy to grow, especially the type of content that we talk about. Mm. It's not really pushed algorithm they're oh, going to sure. try to silence us until we get too big where they can't silence us any longer for sure we need to fight through well in a lot of ways i think they still categorize this like a subculture or obviously we've we've covered pretty pretty some interesting topics that the mainstream media doesn't enjoy pushing hmm. or let's just say has an alternative narrative too and so as long as we continue to talk of around the the around the narratives and speak differently around our interpretation of those, I think we're going to continue to have an upward battle with a, probably a significant amount of friction. So at least we're expecting this. And again, if one day we're gone, <laughs> we'll be on Rumble. We're not going to be gone. We're just going to be <laughs> displaced into some other, un, another media portal somewhere. Yeah. So I was thinking, um, I have a quick thought experiment for us mm. because I was thinking about kind of everything that's been going on and what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. So imagine this. You are a 19-year-old man. You're in college or maybe not in college, living in your parents' basement, and you decide you're going to put up some video game clips because you want to be famous. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you put up some Call of Duty clips. Nobody cares. Mm. Then you put up some Fortnite clips. Mm. Nobody cares. And then you put up some Roblox clips and Minecraft clips, and nobody cares. And you start watching some anime. <laughs> you decide, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dye my hair because it's kind of cool. Mm. You do it, and all of a sudden, people start watching. Mm. You're like, huh? Now people care, and you lean into it a little bit. Mm. And now you went from blue hair to just going a little bit further. And you post something up mm. and you decide you're going to become blue haired she dog. <laughs> blue -haired she -dog. <laughs> and now your views are crazy. 
<sighs> and then Ben Shapiro goes, hey, look at this woke guy. Mm. Right? Look Blue. at this woke guy. Blue-haired she-dog. <laughs> and they talk about his TikTok. Mm. And all of a sudden, all of Ben Shapiro's fans go to the blue-haired she-dogs TikTok. <laughs> and now he went from, hey, nobody cares, to, holy shit, I have a million views. Yeah. And you lean into it. Mm. And then the White House one day goes, hey, Joe Biden goes, hey, what are people talking about these days? And the kid that works in Joe Biden's office goes, there is this TikTok that has one million views. And it's a blue-haired she-dog. <laughs> and he goes, holy shit. Get me one of those. Get, get me one of those. <laughs> so F- now, Famous last words right there. Get me one of those. And the kid that works there doesn't <laughs> want to go against what the, the administration wants. Of course. His goal is to survive the administration. And once he's able to finish it, he just wants to get a better job. Yeah, move into lobbying. Exactly. <laughs> so you have to finish your term. Mm. It's like, yes, sir. Mm. We'll get you one and let's put him in front of the fence. <laughs> like, like you, you, this is a story you're, you're telling us. Just but a story. At the end of the day, <laughs> just a story. This is actually happening <laughs> just, just all over the place. And then Fox News goes, hey, there's a blue head sheepdog that's in charge of defense for the United States. And it was like, oh, these guys are crazy. Mm. It all started because one kid wanted to get some clicks. So it's it's one of those bizarro world, like, how the hell did we get here? I have no idea. How the hell did we get here? And it, I like to think of it as this term, it's a mind virus. Mm. We have no control over it. A mind virus. It's a bunch of people that want to become famous, and all of a sudden, they go to whatever they think will get them to click on views. So are, are you saying this mind virus is this identity politics or this identity kind of issue or social issue that's happening where, where everyone's now has, well, not that you didn't have before this, but before this era that we're living in this post lockdown era, there used to be a little bit more constraints on people in terms of who they project themselves to be. Mm -hmm. But now we have moved to this logical extreme where it's almost, like I've said before on previous podcasts, where we're in this humiliation stage where now we have blue-haired she-dogs. Or did you say sheepdogs? Both. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now we have these blue-haired she-dogs that are getting not only airtime, but they're being validated Mm -hmm. as this is okay, as this 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 is the right thing to do. And it's not even something they originally believed. That, I think that right there is the most fascinating part of this narrative. Is that they didn't want to be that guy. Mm. They didn't want to be that girl or she dog. It just happened. They just wanted to be validated Correct. as a human. They just wanted to say, hey, I'm doing my thing. I'm playing Call of Duty and didn't work. I, I went to Roblox, didn't work. Went to you know Fortnite, didn't work. And then when I did this one thing with my hair, suddenly I got views. Suddenly I have interest. And now the world cares about me. So you said the word lean in. I think a lot of these, a lot of these people are leaning in. <laughs> right Women quits job to earn six figures a month acting as a dog on OnlyFans. Okay. So right here, <laughs> this woman somehow. So come on, look look at this subtext. It says Janice says she always felt like a puppy. That's where I have this meme in the back of my head, Will. That's like I don't believe you. <laughs> like I don't believe you. Like you know, there's no there's no way that you always felt like a puppy. I feel like it's just an entire generation of people feeling lost, mm. feeling neglected, feeling like their voices don't matter, and everyone's on their own path to try to try to portray. Why do you think that is? What happened? Because you and I, and I think this is important for our listeners, you and I grew up in a time before the internet. Mm-hmm. We grew up in a time when you didn't know what the hell was going on with any of your friends after school. All you knew is that you agreed to meet at this spot and you assumed they'd show up, right, for playtime, right, after school. I think when we were young is that we didn't have the option of the internet. Yeah. So we were forced to figure out in other ways. Yeah. Now you can find the internet, find an echo chamber of whatever you believe, it amplifies it, and you go down this rabbit hole of being just 
more and more whatever that you want to identify as. Is it because our society no longer has a strong unity as a nation? Are we getting at that level? And is it is it also because there is so much fracturedness in our society that people are finding these echo chambers online because they're easily accessible and then they're being reinforced, these kind of preconceived notions of who they think they are or who they thought they were yesterday? I think it's a lack of strong leadership. Mm. People don't know who to follow any longer. Mm. People have feel, and deep down, everyone just feels like they're constantly lied to. And projecting more and more lies makes people feel more lied to. And it just creates a situation where people are just constantly searching for community. I We have a, a vast audience from our demographics. Correct. So I would love as a kind of a call to action for everyone out there. If you're, if this is something that you're a, a young blood or you're, you know, a high school or college, like we'd love to hear your comments about these types of things because we're not in that age group and we don't have kids in that age group just yet or mine, mine are moving into high school soon. But like I don't have a... a a real pulse on what they're struggling with. Now I get ideas from my daughter in middle school about, you know, the social apparatus and what they're talking about and TikTok and all this stuff. But I'm really curious. It'd be great for, for some of our, our community as well as our subscribers to give us feedback on what they're seeing and what they're hearing, especially if they're in the 16 to 24 age range. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking of a guy that's in our discord, Dookie. Dookie. All right. What's up, Dookie? We're giving you a shout out, Dookie. And he is, (laughs) Definitely conservative, right-wing. He is in high school, Mm. and he is feeling displaced by his high school community. Mm. They don't agree or see the way he sees things, and he's feeling lost. And somehow he finds a way to us. And um, I find it interesting that there are guys in that generation, especially men, and hard for me to speak about women because I don't have reference, uh, but for men at least, are figuring out a way of a community to latch onto. Mm. And if the woke mob is has their hands wide open and they're saying, we'll accept you. Because they'll accept anyone. We'll accept anyone. No, we'll accept you if you believe what we believe. Oh, yes. So there's that preconceived, yes. Correct. <clears throat> People are running to it because they just want to be a part of something, anything. It doesn't matter what it is. And everyone's got their hands out trying to recruit all these people. And I don't, I don't know where it ends. I don't know how how to stop it, how to make it better. I don't know if I have a solution. Although, so you said the word leaders. Is that these indi- these young young people, young adults, are struggling because they lack leadership or they lack people that they can look up to mm-hmm. that are good examples. Mm-hmm. If we were to go even deeper, do you think it's a parental issue? Do you think that these that these the the boomer generation who had who ended up birthing the generation X and generation Y uh, do you think the they failed in their parenting of generation X and Y and now that generation X and generation Y are having kids we have that now trickle down downstream effect of the fact that we were poorly raised and I say we because I'm in that generation X right uh, we were poorly raised and therefore since we were poorly raised we are even more poorly raising the children, the next generation with maybe not strong values, maybe not strong leadership and guiding principles in life. Do you think that could be one of the issues? Or should we just blame the boomers? Is that how it is? So I had an interesting conversation (laughs) with a friend of mine um, on Friday, a lunch, and he is about to have a baby. Mm. And we were, and he was about to have a daughter. And obviously, because I have a brand new daughter, we were talking about being a father to daughters. And, and I, I introduced the idea that I would, I am not going to tell my daughter that Santa Claus is real. Mm. Not that I'm going to go out of my way to, but at the same time, I want her to think for herself. I want her to believe that because of so much lies out in the world that I will always be honest with her. Mm. So she asked me, is Santa Claus real? I'm going to teach her on that. Don't ruin it for other people. But at the same time, here's the reality of what it is. And he got really upset. Really? Really upset. He really? said, you are ruining her childhood? Really? I wow. don't think my daughter should play with your daughter? No. And I was like, whoa. Really? He's going to be like that? Yeah. And 
And I thought that was interesting way to see it. He said, I'm going to let her do whatever she wants because I want her to be happy. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, I want the opposite. I want her to be happy, of course. Mm. I want her to be a kid, of course. But it's my duty obligation to teach her to think for herself, mm. to think freely. If anything happens in my life or in my time where I'm in charge of her, I want her to know that she could think freely and that I will always be honest with her. Mm. Because when when babies are when kids are young, the father and the mother are the arbitrators of truth. Yes. And you are constantly fighting the school system, constantly fooding society, TV, cartoons. You're mm. constantly fighting them for authority right. of who's correct. Right. I want her to know that I am always honest with her. Mm. And that was my logic behind that thought. And the idea that for him, making sure his kid is happy and playing was more important. And so, that almost oh, is kind of why we end up where we are. That, 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 and if, you know, there's, I think this is a multifaceted problem. So obviously the things that we talk about here will never be fully formed. It's never the full solution. Take everything that we say with a grain of salt. We're just two 40-year-old men <laughs> with kids <laughs> who, who are trying to help ourselves and the world around us kind of start thinking differently around these ideas because this is the way, that, the way that we're thinking. Now, there's a couple things that come into my mind as you, as you bring this up. And I actually have like four things that are kind of flying around <laughs> my mind. First and foremost, that friend, he kind of sucks. Not, 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 you might be listening here. We'll, we'll unpack that in a second. No, you're not a bad person. I understand that positioning. The second thing I, I want to unpack is the, the role of parents in this. Because, and the kind of a, an idea that stemmed off of that is like Asian parents versus like white parents. Mm. And I think we're okay to say this, talk, talk in, in this way. I was raised by white parents, mm -hmm. right? So I have a distinct and unique perspective from that side of the world and the way that they raised their kids as opposed to what I saw all my Asian friends, how they were raised by their parents. Whereas an Asian parent would, under the, under the circumstances of what we just talked about, I can see Asian parents being very dogmatic on your side and being mm -hmm. like, this is the truth. This is the reality. This we're, We are, are the arbiters of truth. We're the ones that are going to be the greatest example in your life. We believe fa in, in family. We believe in nuclear families. We believe in closeness of families. We believe in these, these types of things. Whereas in other cultures, like black families or white families or Indian families or his, Hispanic families, there's going to be a different cultural dynamic. And what I have found, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but this is just my experience of being raised in a white family is generally white families are a lot more freedom oriented towards the individual. Could that be a cultural American thing? Fair enough. Peace, peace. But what it creates is it creates in a non-supportive kind of find your way in the world attitude mm. where they're like, I, we're your parents. We're here to help you get out. But once you get out and once you start growing a brain, we're going to let you figure it out. And so, whereas a Korean parent, for example, would is going to be talking into your life for the rest of your fucking life. Mm -hmm. My wife is currently in L.A. for her dad's 74th birthday. I think that, or 76th birthday. And her mom, she's in her 40s. Her mom still called her before she flew out there and said, you need to wear this, <laughs> right? right? She's all up in her shit. Like, you need to wear this. You need to look like this. You need to do this. And so from different cultures and different family, family perspectives, they will stay in that child's life because you will always be my son. You mm -hmm. will always be my daughter. Whereas in other cultures, in other families, it's not so much the case. And so I think in a lot of ways, if I can create an example, these blue, I know Will likes this, <laughs> These blue-haired, green-haired people wrong. with, with <laughs> I've got Trump in the back. Blue-haired, green-haired people with metal in their faces. Let's talk about the ratio. How many Asians do we see of those versus white people? Not many. Not that I've seen. So is there a cultural component to this? Is, the, is all that preamble to say, is there a cultural component to maybe this clown fiesta that's happening? Interesting thought. You know, what makes people go that way? And I, I don't know what it is, but I'm trying my best to protect against it. If I look at these two models, I can, I'll, I'll create a, a case for you. 
the two models. A Korean, a, a Korean Asian parents are going to guide that children in their Asian culture, their Asian values, all to the day that those, those parents die. They're going to keep them grounded. You're Korean or you're Chinese or you're Japanese or you're Filipino, you're Vietnamese. Like this is who you are. There are cultural values associated with this. Associated with these cultural values are behaviors that are expected, right? Parental expectations, right? Uh, money expectations, these types of things. Whereas in other families, like white families, there's so much more autonomy focused on the individual. They say there's no grounding through the rest of their lives. So I'll just give you as an example in my life. My white parents do not actively engage in my life and tell me how to think. Mm -hmm. And they haven't done that ever since I left the house in 18. And so if I'm an, I mean, at 18 years old, whether you're a guy or a girl, you're not fully mature. You're not a full human being. No. You're still a half-baked potato. <laughs> I don't know why that came up in my mind. <laughs> you're still a half-baked French fry, right? And so you leave these kids, these, <laughs> don't, these, these kids, these 18 year olds to their own devices, they're going to search the internet for anything that they can find that they can latch onto as an identity or, or an idea that gives them some sort of peace or solidarity. I think that's, I think it's, there's a cultural component that a lot of people aren't willing to talk about. And I don't mind bringing up here on this podcast. And my concern is that if you believe in Santa Claus, <laughs> go back to Santa Claus. <laughs> you believe like, in Santa Asian Claus? Asian parents would be like, the Santa Claus ain't real, bitch. Well, Santa Claus isn't real in almost every other country except the United States. It's fair enough. So, because he said to me, you're taking away Christmas. I mm. said, no, I'm not taking away Christmas. She'll still get presents. She'll still have decorations. She'll still be allowed to enjoy family and the festivities of Christmas. Mm. But no reason to make her believe that there's a random white guy that breaks into her house <laughs> in the middle of the night. And gives her gifts that I bought. It's no, it's no point for it. Well, if you it doesn't provide any value. <laughs> if you communicate, there's like a, a random ass fat white guy breaks break into your house, house yeah. eats your food, <laughs> eats your food, and then drops off random presents. Mm -hmm. Like there's a whole lot of cognitive dissonance in there for sure. Because, because going back to the example, then right, the president says we want a blue haired she dog in our administration. Which we have. We have she, We have those people in our administration. Correct. And then all of a sudden, all the major corporations look around and goes, oh, we need that too. Ugh. And all of a sudden, you're a bank and your priority is no longer banking, but it is now... ESG. ESG. <laughs> it is all about cultural acceptance. Mm. It is all about all these things that a bank shouldn't have to worry about. Mm. What does a bank have anything to do with energy usage. Or any company in many cases. Or many any company. company. They're a bank. They should be doing banking things to just say as plain as possible, be a bank and not worry about being a social justice warrior. Mm, yeah, core value prop. Because if you were a bank, maybe you wouldn't be going out of business and creating the situation that we have today, which is banks are failing. You're not wrong. And I looked into the um, news from about a week ago, prior to SVB going down. Mm. And it was a lot of people on certain sides, on the right, going, the banking is failing, the banking is failing, like, we're going to hit a depression. And a bunch of people with blue hair going, no, like, everything's great. And Joe Biden going, the economy is awesome, best it's ever been. Yep. Fast forward two days, not even, fast forward two days. This is, we're taping this on Monday. Yes. And all of a sudden, Silicon Valley Bank is no longer in business. Mm -hmm. Interesting thought, right? Silvergate went down before that, right? Another bank, Signature Bank or another bank? Yep, Signature just Silver, got, Silvergate. Yep. Silicon Valley Bank just got purchased by HSBC in UK mm. for a dollar. <laughs> I have two if anyone's doing a bidding war. I know. <laughs> I got five on it. So... This all happened within like two or three days. Mm. And I'm trying to figure out why that even happened. They were telling us that everything's fine. Yeah, even Jim Cramer, like five days before, like these banks are fine. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's not. And you look into the history of what these banks were talking about. Interesting that it's a lot of tech banks, crypto mm -hmm. banks mm -hmm. that were really leaning on the woke left side. Mm because they were doing it. I had an interesting conversation, another one over the weekend with a friend of mine that works at Morgan Stanley. Mm. And he is a trader. He manages other people's funds and accounts, etc. And he is a super conservative right-wing guy. Hates 
government control. Hates that people that they're getting involved. Hates the way the government does everything. Mm. All of a sudden, there's a banking crisis, and he's going. I hope the government steps in and takes over. It's funny how that works. It is funny how that works. It is funny how how pragmatic reality trumps your philosophical notions mm-hmm. of what you of what you believe around the world and what you believe how the world should should act and respond. Once pragmatic reality hits you in the face, it's like, it's like what, what did Mike Tyson say? It's uh, Mike Tyson's famous quote before he went into the ring was, it's great to have a plan until you get punched in the face, hmm. right? Everyone has this ideological, this, this ideal, this philosophical you know, notion that they've attached to. But at the end of the day, when it's survival is the primary concern, self-interest always takes over and the pragmatic reality that you will reach out to whoever can help you, even if it's big, bad government, you'll reach out because I don't know that much about how the banking industry works. I do know that anytime the solution is more government, it's bad. It's always bad. There's no, there's no possible situation where more government is ever good. And And we're leading to more government. Yes. And I think that's actually something that I don't mind actually pounding the drum on during this podcast. And you can tell me to back up. And, 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 and stop being so heavy on it. But I think it's important that our audience, at least for me, maybe I, I'm trying to make my own echo chamber here, but I think it's important, at least for me, to communicate out to the world plainly that the government is only good at two things, killing people and reducing liberties. Mm. Like, like, make no mistake, the government is not your friend. It has done nothing well throughout the history of mankind, and all government moves to centralization of power and people end up suffering through it. And so it's not like we can't, and I'm no fool here. We have to live with some semblance of government. Fair, understood. But we as sheeple continue to allow these governments, continue to allow them to centralize power and grow in authority. And then we are surprised when we find out things like they've been experimenting on us without us knowing. Or they're sending billions of dollars to another country when our roads here suck ass. Or you start realizing these major dysfunctions of their inability to actually make life better. And so that's one thing. Now I have two kids, you know. And I think in some ways I might have overdone it in their early childhood helping them realize that because they'll ask me questions. They'll be like, well, you know, so-and-so works for the government. Are they bad? The answer is no. Those people working for the government aren't bad. 99% of them aren't bad. They work in a dysfunctional system Hmm. that they unknowingly support towards the eradication or the destruction or the dissolution or the, you know, the, the, the suffering of people. They're just not good at helping people improve. They're only good at dis, dis, uh, destruction and death. And so we need government, but we need to limit government as much as possible because they're really not good at anything but creating destruction, in my opinion. I mean, there's no case that more government is good. I just don't it's, think... There's never been a case. Yeah, but we keep on voting for it. We keep on allowing it. I can't think of one situation where they're like, we're going to figure this out and they've done a good job. Yeah, it's never happened. They fuck up everything. <laughs> everything. Everything. And they obfuscate everything. Everything's opaque. We don't know what's going on. That's mm. not right. Supposedly, we became a constitutional republic. We're not actually a democracy. That is wordplay. We're a constitutional republic. Constitutional republic focuses on the the rights of the individual, where democracy always moves everything towards centralized power and control. Mm. And so that's one of the biggest problems with our country is that we're constantly talking about us being a democracy. We're not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. And you guys need to look up the differences. In our Discord, I'm sure people can chat about and break down the nuances between democracy (laughs) and constitutional republic. But a constitutional republic is all about the individual liberties and individual rights, whereas democracy ends up always devolving into more centralized control, more mass control, more constraints, less freedoms, and more suffering. So did you watch... Um, Tucker Carlson on the Full Set podcast over the weekend. I did. Number one, he is a spaz. He and, and he, <laughs> not he looks, what I expected. And he looks like he gained a little bit of weight the way he was sitting. I was like, you're kind of like a little bit of a blob here. Well, man. I, I think it's like the lighting and yeah, maybe that was and it. well the suit and that makes him look thinner on TV. Mm, but enough. when you see him out in like the wild, you know, like he yeah. sits all day. Yeah. 
But he is super based. And he is based. I was surprised. I kind of gained a new respect for him watching it because he was breaking down things that I didn't think he'd be able or allowed to say. Mm. I, we pulled out a couple things. Well, first off, that I really want to think about is that he claimed that the NSA hacked his Signal account. Mm. Because, Which is a pretty disturbing claim. Because Signal is supposed to be the one that's safe. Yes, supposed to be the encrypted private chat message system that no one's supposed to have access to. We know WhatsApp is bullshit. We mm. know Telegram is bu- bullshit. We know Discord and the Instagram and Slack. Facebook, all this. We, we already know that for sure. Mm. But they told us that Signal was untouchable. It's kind of like all those VPN systems out there that you get ads for. By the way, they're bullshit. They're bullshit too. <laughs> yeah. Which everyone promotes VPNs. Like it does nothing. Like NordVPN. Everyone's promoting NordVPN. If oh. you actually go into it, guys, you're not that you're not that private as you think. Although if you're NordVPN and you want to sponsor the podcast, we love NordVPN. <laughs> <laughs> go to NordVPN.com slash slash Matt Kim Podcast. Just kidding. Don't do it. It's bullshit. It's fucking bullshit. (laughs) But I thought that was interesting that he knew that the NSA hacked his signal because he was trying to set up an interview with Putin. Mm. And they figured it out because the only communication he ever had on it was signal. Mm. I thought it was safe. It is not. What are we supposed to use? Not that I have anything to hide, but I thought it was at least the one. Is there no way to communicate? The answer is no. The entire technological apparatus that supports any type of media communications or any type of medium of communications is always running through these centralized systems like an AT&T, an NSA, these types of monster aggregation systems. And I probably know more than the average in this regard because I've interacted with these types of systems at a small level. But I, I gave up. I don't know if I can put a date on it, Matt, but... I probably easily over a decade ago, before I was married for sure, I easily gave up the notion that I was truly private Hmm. and that all my stuff would, all my stuff there, or if there was anything in my life that I could truly keep private that was connected to any type of mobile device or computer. Nothing that you have on your mobile device, nothing that you have on your computer is truly private or safe. It just is what it is. That's kind of crazy thought to think of, isn't it? That they have access to everything in your life. It is. And people don't care. It is if you if you struggle with the philosophical tenet that I've struggled with years ago, and I'll bring it up now. I'm actually glad we're having this conversation because it's rising up new kind of feelings I haven't had in my gut in a while. Is if you believe that fr- the that freedom is predicated on privacy, mm. this is something that the the real alt right kind of leverages sometimes, but. If you believe that freedom is predicated on privacy, and if we truly have no privacy, then the logic would conclude that we truly don't have freedom because everything that we have is surveilled or at least accessible to be surveilled. And so that logic is a very constraining logic to have because it puts you in a position of maybe fear, which is where you never want to be. By the way, for everyone out there, we are never promoting fear. No. Agreed? No. We're talking about there's some fearful shit that's happened out there. There's some scary shit that's happened out there by by far. But we're never going to promote fear porn. We're never going to push fear for you guys. We're just talking about the realities of it. I don't think the fact that we don't have privacy is something that we need to fear. I think great entrepreneurs and operators need to start building systems that actually have true privacy. That, I think, is the solution there. I think that's a scary thought, that we don't have privacy. And... He said something like, the only way to have a private conversation anymore in this world is to meet at a random parking lot, leave your phones in the car, walk 100 yards away, and talk in private like the gangsters used to. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, they had it right. (laughs) They had it right. So let me ask, Let me. I have to ask you this, this personal question. I don't know if you've ever done this. I've done this. Have you ever, just because of something in your gut, you're having a conversation with someone, you're about to enter into conversation with someone, and you just decided to throw your phone in the other room or throw your phone in their backpack. And you're just like, you know what? I just don't need this to be around me right now while I'm having this. Have you ever done that? I haven't. But now I feel like 
I need to. Really? <laughs> I'm just sorry. I'm sorry if I've messed with you on that because uh, I've I've done that probably less than five times in my life, mm-hmm. but I can remember at least two or three distinct moments when I was like, you know what? And I, I, don't, I don't mind bringing this. I'm so you you know I I'm on the phone late at night with investors from Philippines. Singapore, China, Australia, Japan, Korea. And so there have been a couple times when I have met with, let's just say, some Asian expats. And I've just said, you know what? I'm just going to leave this phone Hmm. over there because you guys are from a country that might have a little bit more tracking. So you should leave your phones over there as well. So that's concerning to me because you understand technology much better than I do. Hmm. And the fact that you do that... Only a couple times. Makes me want to do that too. (laughs) (laughs) I've ruined you, man. I'm sorry. What happened to no fear porn? Um, (laughs) I'm feeling fear. (laughs) (laughs) Mea culpa, Matt. Mea culpa. Oh, he's feeling fear. Will, how do what what uh, memes what meme or what uh, sound can you can you put into Matt's ear to calm him down here? Oh, there we go. So let, but let's talk about that. There is let's so Tucker was talking about Signal supposed to be the 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 best encrypted chat system where you're not where you're not surveilled and apparently they hacked in and they read his texts and they were able to see that he was going to be visiting. I think he was talking about that they knew that he was going to be having meetings with Google and Putin and these types of things, right? Yeah, he was trying to set up an interview with Putin. So he was trying before the war, he was trying to get to Russia to mm-hmm. interview Putin and he was working on that kind of on the side because, you know, if people find out he's going to interview Putin, then he's got to deal with all the aftermath. Mm. I don't know what the reason is to do that so privately, but he was. And they hacked it. And once they did, he's not allowed to go to Russia anymore. Oh, they've banned him? Did I not miss that part? I feel like they banned him. Oh, wow. Which is interesting because he had an interesting take on U.S. versus China and Russia. Actually, Will, can you pull up that one quick clip? without being boring, but the whole point of American foreign policy for like 100 years was don't let the other great powers align against us. In other words, you're in a bar, you know, you hit on some guy's girlfriend, I'm going to punch you up. You're thinking, can I beat this guy? Yeah, probably. But if like two of his Mm. friends have equal size show up, you're not going to win. They're going to jump you. Yep. And you're going to lose and you're going to get your ass kicked. So the point of American foreign policy and diplomacy was to prevent that from happening. So you have this Big power, Russia, which is the world's largest landmass, with the world's largest reserve of energy, natural gas, and the world's largest nuclear arsenal. And then you have this other country, China, which is the world's largest population, 1.3 billion, the world's largest economy. And each one of those is potentially pretty formidable. But if they get together, the world's largest population, the world's largest landmass, largest economy, largest energy reserves, together in a block against you, no, you're no longer the most powerful. You're taking orders from them. And that's pretty much what's... It's what's happened because of the stupid border war in Eastern Europe that, like, we didn't actually have to pay that much attention to. Yeah, we're against it. You issue a statement. I can't believe you rolled over the border into Eastern Ukraine. Like, that's bad, and we're officially against that. And I would say I'm very against that, okay? Not defending Russia. But, like, is that worth reshuffling the global deck and putting Russia and China on the same side in an alliance that controls the majority of the world's economy and its shipping routes and its currency? Are you fucking kidding? Were you on drugs? No, that's nuts. So when all this hallucination finally evaporates and we like wake up to the real world, we're going to realize that Russia, Canada, UK, New Zealand, Australia, like all this coalition that we thought we were part of and in charge of and all that stuff is weaker then this new block, which is China, Russia, Turkey, and then all I, these. Other I think states. he's. I think like, he's. What's Malaysia I think he's kind of conflagrating. No. Too many. Oh. Too many. Uh, a, 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 not too many, but a, a very narrow view mm. of international politics, okay. international business, international, you know, um, trade. Like at the end of the day, every single large company, every single large country, like America or China or Russia, is deeply fractured from a political sense, an industrial sense, an economic sense, as well as a financial sense. And so while there might be large legislations or legislative movements or vetoes or embargoes or these major policies that are enacted against countries at a – in one area, like let's just say a a political area, doesn't mean it affects the financial – 
doesn't necessarily mean it affects the supply chain. It doesn't mean it necessarily affects the macroeconomics of, of the country. So you can actually have countries that are fighting each other in real war, like blow, like shooting bombs at each other. But at the same time, those countries are actually trading energy resources mm. or they're trading human resources or they're trading supply chain, you know. So like there's, there's always going to be a multiplicity of factors for any type of country. And I think what – Tucker Carlson does, and any t type of big talking head on the mainstream media generally does, is they pick usually the political area to focus on, which is the most – it's easiest to explode into people's faces. It's the easiest to expound on. It's the easiest to create fear porn. It's the easiest thing for us to kind of latch onto because at the end of the day, there's no real tangibleness to it. All we know is that orange man bad, mm. right, and you know China man bad, and Putin man bad. And I think that is an easy to consume narrative, whereas the realities of the economic order, the world order, is far more complex in so many ways. And so, even you know, he's postulating here that China and Russia are going to come together and become the big boy on the block, king of the hill. Mm. I don't agree. You so let's talk about China. I'm actually curious about because you've been to China more than I have. Correct, I, I believe. I've been to China only like three or four times, um, for business. What's your take on China's economic path and economic growth in, in context to this idea that they're, you know, the, the part of the large, connected to the largest landmass and have the largest economy? So are they really growing beyond America? Is kind of, let's just put it that way. I don't think China is doing as well as everyone says they are. Agreed. When I go to China, there are a very small percentage of people that are extremely wealthy. Yes. If you go to the nice side of China, it's nicer than probably anywhere else in the world. People don't realize this. People think we have it great in America. Go to some of the richest places in China, you're like, holy cow. It's amazing. Blow us out of the water. Amazing. Everything is so grand, oh, so luxurious. Yes. But then if you're not in that area, it sucks. Yeah. It's dirty. It's mm. grimy. People are crammed together. People are struggling. And they're getting crushed. COVID really ha did poorly on them. Mm. Lockdown. And, correct. And they're not doing as well as people think. I think their banking is probably just as bad as our banking, which is they're over leveraged, that oh, yeah. they have more debt, that they can't cover their receipts. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's not just the U.S. problem now. I think that's a global problem. It looks like, at least from the outset, that the problem with the banking system is that no one has the cash to cover what they're supposed to mm -hmm. have. Everyone's sitting on so much bad debt, mm. and those that bad debt is sitting on their balance books as assets. But it's all bad debt. It is all bad debt. You got it. China has maybe 70% of bad debt in their banking system. They don't have enough cash to cover their losses. And they're constantly under-reporting or over-reporting. Mm -hmm. For example, and I don't, I don't know, Will, if this is something you can look up and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but from, let's just say, insider reports... They like to say that China is 1.3 billion people. Mm -hmm. Insider reports tell us that there is a high potential that they actually might have less than a billion people now. Really? Because of all the deaths and destruction. And, you know, they've been, they have been having some massacres out on the western side mm -hmm. of, of, of China, let's just say. And so their population has been reducing. And so I, I think in a lot of ways, and I, I, I completely resonate with you. My contacts over in China have told me that, yes, if you're rich and wealthy, it's a great place to be. We did see that Chairman Xi just got reelected. Yes, he did. Unanimously. Yes. Because hmm. they, they, <laughs> they love him there. They love him there. As Unanimously. Did, did you also see that, that odd moment when like one of the second in command was like picked up and told to leave during that inauguration? He Do you was, remember seeing I, that? Yeah, I remember that. He was, I think, the former... I think he was who was in charge before she, yeah. And they had him removed because there's a bifurcation that I'm I'm gonna get wrong here. But there's the CCP, and then there's the there's the actual leadership group, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're two different things, uh, but they're what they're trying to do is combine them into one, right? I mean, she is essentially so he's God King, he's God King, he is he's just solidified it by being unanimously voted again, and. Um, I don't know. If that's a good thing. I think I think he's gonna follow the. I think he's gonna follow the his predecessor 
predecessor's uh, footsteps. As a god king, he's going to slowly emaciate and destroy that country from within. And the reason is because when you have centralized power and centralized control, everything devolves into the interests of the centralized power and centralized control, and everyone else suffers. Just like Mao. He's going to follow the Mao. He's going to follow that that route, man. It's we're, We might actually live, Matt, through a period where we will see massive, massive, unavoidable, the mainstream media cannot not report on it because it's just so bloody obvious that millions of people are starving and dying, these types of things. Like I can totally see us living in a, in a reality in the future where that happens. So interesting thought is that in China, we know that there's one guy in charge. We know that their media is propaganda. We know that they are um, taking advantage of their people. Mm. We know this as fact. And all of those things, interestingly, can be said about America, but it's at a lighter level. Is it? Is really the question. Because at least in China, we know who's in charge. Fair enough. Here, we almost seem like we have the same exact problems. Our banking is fucked. Yes. Our people are being oppressed. Yes. Free speech is no longer allowed. Yes. People are being censored. Every media is just propaganda. They're all repeating the same stuff, man. It's you guys the have same seen the super people. cuts where it's like hundred of reporters from all over America saying literally the same bloody line, man. And the same people are in charge regardless of who you elect. But the only difference is we don't know who's in charge here. Mm. Some may argue at least they're honest about it. At least they're honest that they're the way they are. Yeah. At least we can point to one guy and say, yeah, you're the problem. Yeah. Here, <laughs> we don't even know who's in charge. Money and interest. Because I thought that was interesting. Another thing that they asked Tucker was, who who's in charge? And this is something that we throw on all the time, mm -hmm. right? Like, who's in charge? And he was like, I don't know. He's been in the establishment forever. He grew up in Washington. His father was a politician. He's been around media uh, his whole life. I'm surprised he said, I didn't know. I, I'm, I'm sure he has inklings and... Inklings. And ideas. Mm -hmm. Because he's been around that game. He's rubbed shoulders with billionaires and people like that. Like he knows who they talk with. He he gets to those side conversations like, oh, you're going to he has to have some semblance of an idea. So he had right? two interesting comments that I thought was really telling about his situation. One was when he was talking about who killed Epstein. And he well, hey, can you just pull up that clip real quickly uh, of the one where Tucker talks about who killed Epstein? I think it's interesting that this is something that he wanted to to go out of his way to say. It's wow. not wrong. But whoever did it, here's the one thing this I'll right say. Here. Whoever did it was able to do it in the most secure lockdown in the United States of America yeah. and then get away with it. So that I was interviewing all these people, like, will you come issue. on the show and talk about it? No. Why? And one of them said to me, whoever killed Epstein clearly has a lot of power. <laughs> I mean, like, if I said to you, I want you to kill this guy in the special housing unit at Federal Lockup in Manhattan, You'd you gotta like, have some. Pull. You'd be like, I'd love to kill him, but like, how do you do that? Yeah, yeah, right. It'd right. be pretty hard to pull that off. Well, someone pulled it off, so that tells you a lot about that. Whoever that group of people was, mm. they're no one to fuck with. It's interesting Topics that he went out of his way to say, "I don't know who's in charge." It's his way of saying that. It is his way of, of saying that. It is way of kind of pushing off any type of of ownership or responsibility or. Uh, connections to the big money that are doing these things, mm -hmm. but that, but everything that he just described, though Matt, is so disturbing. Yeah, it's like a born identity, you know, born supremacy movie mm -hmm. where they're they're able to get into the NSA or they're able to get into some major maximum security facility and be able to do all this malfeasance or do all this shenaniganry, and they get away with it. Like that's why these Hollywood movies are basically just projecting what we're going to see eventually, anyway. The fact that it's all covered up, it's, and if they're able to do that, then what can they not do? They can really do the anything, Matt. They then, can kill anybody. They can get really away with anything. Everything. Anything. I mean, this is, this is the rules for thee, not for me, right? It's the, I have money, I have power, I can do whatever I want, and you guys can't, you guys just get to eat it. It's terrible, man. We live in this world. It's unfortunate that way. We're not trying to spread fear porn. And trying to, <laughs> trust me, none of us are that important that we're going to be Epstein or we're going to be Clinton. But uh, let's be honest, man. The world is not uh, the world is not what we think. It's not certainly what we see. And seeing all of this go down, 
right? We're getting more information on Epstein, which is very concerning, that the people in charge are still in charge, that they're able to do these things, get to people that where nowhere else can get to, that they can crash and burn banks at will. That's true. We're living, we're living through that now, the SVB and all that, yeah. And I thought that was really concerning, especially during... So during 2020, everyone... We, we went to pandemic, business was down, people were out of work, but somehow people were spending more money. Yeah. And I looked around. The stimmy checks. <laughs> I looked around. I remember walking in front of like Louis Vuitton, right? And there was a line of people. What? Outside of Louis... The line during pandemic outside of Louis Vuitton was ridiculous. You'd have to get a number and wait in line for like an hour. We talk about it. every time I saw every time I saw a Louis Vuitton thing on the uh, YouTube or TikTok, <laughs> it was just random people breaking in and taking it for free. Here it's kind of like all the Wal- all the Walgreens where you just go in there and you're like I want this I want this uh this uh this drink for free and they just go in there and rip it off. Actually, I think it's mostly makeup they care about. Here in Atlanta, the Louis Vuitton used to have about an hour wait. Get out of here. And I would walk in front of the Louis Vuitton store and the people in line do not look like they should be in that line. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting statement. They look like they just got their stimmy check. <laughs> and what they did was the first thing they did was go stand in that line. Uh, those Air Jordans are more important than food though, bro. Exactly. <laughs> I remember walking by and I saw some lady, she was walking with her kid and she was waiting in line for a Louis Vuitton. And her kid, maybe 10 years old, her slippers looked like they were for a five-year-old. They were half on her feet because her feet were, she had outgrown her $5 slippers. She would rather wait in line with her stimulus check to buy Louis Vuitton for herself than buy her kid a $5 pair of sandals. And I thought, there's no way this ends well. And you wonder why that 10-year-old kid with the shoes that don't fit on their feet begins searching online for sub-communities and fringe ideas because the base model of humanity, the examples of leadership and parental guidance and love and care is absent. Correct. Skewed priorities. 100%. And then we saw people go crazy with literally Everything luxury in life mm. through the roof. People were spending I, and spending. I, and cars went ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Just out of control. When nobody has any, what was, you know, what's at least being touted from us to us by the mainstream media is no one's got any money here, but we're going to throw out these stimmy checks during, right? Like, how are businesses shut down? How is everyone supposed to stay home? How is people. When you look around, people don't have money, but yet people spend so much money. But it's not the business owners that are hanging out in Louis Vuitton lines. They're the ones trying to sort of keep their businesses alive when all these other broke motherfuckers are the ones hanging out trying to get their Air Jordans and shit. And then people were spending... So many people went down on huge crypto scams. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was just everywhere. Dink doink. <laughs> Dink doink. Right? Shiba Inu shitcoin. <laughs> all this shit, Right? People were just plumbing money into Ugh, it. That was Everyone tried to buy a variation of an ape of some <laughs> sort, right? Spending ridiculous amounts of money. Dude, but you have that monkey JPEG now. And all of a sudden, people look up. The banking system is crashing. And people are like, we didn't see this coming. Like, you didn't see this coming? We kind of go through cycles, don't we? It is crazy. And it makes me concerned. Because I feel like this is not the end, but just the beginning. Hmm. It's interesting you say it that way. Because I spoke to you and I said, We're, I w- we went minivan shopping this weekend. We're going to sell my wife's Porsche and we're going to go into something more practical. I guess it's a minivan, right? Yeah, it's stupid, but we're thinking about it. No, it's not. Well, yeah, it's stupid. You know? <laughs> and I think the idea behind that is that I don't know where our economy goes over the course of the year. I don't see any situation where it gets better. Well, it has well sometimes it has to get worse to get better, right? And how if we're just at the beginning of worse cuz stocks have been crushed over yes. the last few weeks. Um crypto has been crushed scary and suppressed. And I don't know where we end up at the end of 2023. Is this the beginning of the slide or are we in the slide? 
I feel like this is just the tip. Just the tip? Yeah. That's what she said. Ring. <laughs> Do not come. Do not come. Do not come. I feel like I'm in a mindset where I'm trying to conserve, reduce, mm. um, hold on to as much cash as possible. Mm. Number one, if shit hits the fan, there's going to be a lot of really good deals out there. Oh, for sure. A lot of great opportunity. Cash Not up. only in real estate, but maybe other businesses. You could buy a bank for a dollar. A lot of opportunity. Mm. I think for me, at least personally, I'm trying to just reduce my risk ex exposure as much as possible, reduce any potential liabilities that I may mm -hmm. have, and prepare for a moment where I can make a good or awesome move. So are you, would you say that you're, I'm going to use a, kind of a global term here. Do you feel like you're downsizing? I am. Okay. And do you feel, why are you, you feel like you're downsizing because this is just the tip or because there, you, you think that we're on this, this downward slide. So this is the smart thing for you to do financially with your family. I think it's a combination of all of it. I think number one, living kind of um, a elaborate lifestyle is not necessary right now. It's never been necessary. I know, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> right? I enjoy, I, I enjoy it. it too. Don't yeah. lie. No, but it's not no necessary shade. right now. For sure. I feel like we're not in that time. Of, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. And mm. every man, as they live their life, they go through phases. I've done my live big phase. I've mm. done my supercar phase. Mm. Um, I feel like right now I'm in get back and prepare phase. Mm. Prepare for whatever the next big movement may be. And in doing so, I just want to lower my own risk exposure and just be as safe as possible. And I would actually counter, not, I would actually counter it and add to what you're saying here is I think you're actually narrowing the focus, mm. which is good for entrepreneurs and operators to do. Good, good for any man to really do is narrow the focus, remove the dissonance, remove some of the, the extra baggage. Remove some of those, you say risk exposure, good term. Removing some of that risk exposure. I like looking at it from a positive, you know, forward movement of narrowing the focus, getting honed in, and removing anything that could be a risk. And I, with this podcast, I think this podcast is a great narrowing of your focus. Um, and, and I think as you narrow the focus, you'll find so many more opportunities, deals and opportunities, experiments, as well as people that will broaden the horizon expound and expand the opportunities that exist within this podcast and this opportunity and this uh this media media play that you're doing so i'm actually it makes a lot of sense to me i mean i'd like i would love for our podcast to grow oh for sure love for it i'm enjoying be, this i would love it if one day this is all i do i can actually see it and i i mean i love it but I it takes it. a huge amount of time and i've had to make a lot of sacrifices to get to where we are even and, though we are very new. And you guys can help Matt out by going to gofundme.com slash podcast now. <laughs> but I think a part of all that is that I'm trying to, I love the way you put it, focus in. Narrow the focus, yeah. Correct. I mean, right now my life is home, family, work, here. Mm. I've That's good. I've cut out hanging out. Mm. I've, cut out I've cut out a lot of... Um, luxuries that I don't necessarily need. Mm. And I think in downsizing, it keeps me more um, focused. It keeps it me more hungry. And I would I would also say it also in, increases, which is a great thing, humility, mm. right? Because you just don't have distractions. You don't, like, let's be honest. When you and I are rolling around in supercars as our primary, like, entertainment thing that we would do, that became a lot of our narrative. Correct. It became a lot of what we're talking about, what we're socializing. And yet it's great. It was fun. It was fun. Correct. No doubt. Correct. Like there's no doubt it was fun. But let's be intellectually honest. Ain't nobody earning any money when we're talking about supercars. No. We're just, we're, we, are, we, are just we are just a CapEx cost. <laughs> right? And maybe one day we'll go back to it. For sure. But I think right now I want to get into that grind mindset mm. i want to get to that mindset of i really want to hunker down and get to work and in doing so removing some of the distractions around me that kind of make you do this yeah. rabbit trails it's all a part squirrels, of squirrels man correct 
So if I remove the certain luxuries in my life that I don't need. I would like for you, Matt Kim, to do an entire podcast, and I can be part of it if you'd like, to talk about how you as an experienced and successful entrepreneur and operator help. How do you and your methods and your processes narrow the focus so that you can be more productive? I think a lot of the young people out there would love to hear kind of your, how you've done it in the past and how, and kind of how you set up your models and your lifestyle, because people, people do look up to you. People care about what you're doing. People care if they're showing up for what you're, what you're talking about. They care about your opinion. And likewise, people, there's an assertion that comes behind it, which is if this man, Matt, is successful, then there has to be something that we can glean or learn from him in terms of the way that he organizes his life. And I think uh, what I'm always curious about with other successful men and women of industry that I've met is how do you organize your life? Because it's the shit that I don't see, which is the reason why you're so successful. It's the disciplines that you have at home, right? It's the, uh, the unseen. It's the, what I like to call in, in my, with my employees, it's the thankless fucking work hmm. that nobody will ever give you any praise. They'll never give you any awards for. It's the thankless work that got you to where you are today. And being able to see behind that veil, I think is a really, really always cool to see and hear about. I think it's really about just removing distractions. Yeah, but that's bland and boring, Matt. You it is bland and boring. You can do better than that. <laughs> right? I, I think I think actually that would be a, probably a fun live stream for people that are interested in the Discord community, the Matt Kim Discord community, to, to maybe we could create a sign up where it kind of shows demand, so at least you know. And that, and that way it could be a great experiment and say, hey, let's do a live stream. Let's talk about how do you organize your life to focus? Could be. I don't know. I'm just throwing out ideas. I love that because I we hear that a lot within people in the community mm. is that they've been looking, they've been, they're on their grind doing this and they've got their second hustle or third hustle. And I, I, I didn't want to bring them up today, but I feel like I'm going to is that so many of the guys that are in our Discord came from Andrew Tate and his kind of community. They're feeling displaced because they've lost their leader, who they mm. thought was. And I call them Tate mercenaries, <laughs> right? Or Tate acolytes or something yeah. like this. Be because Disciples. And when they're in our Discord, because everyone gives them shit about misogyny. Mm. They have never, not once said anything negative about women. Mm. They've never said anything at all actually about women. They're there to talk about maybe a little conspiracy theory stuff. They love that shit. But really they're trying to get their own hustle going. Guy shit. Guy shit. Guy shit. Yeah. And what, what, I find that very encouraging that these guys are out there trying to figure out they're, you know, they, they say it all the time to each other, like, turn off the fucking porn and get to work. Exactly. And the fact that these guys are out there displaced by society looking for something, it's the distractions. How do we lose all this noise, all this woke bullshit that's in our ear, that's in your face, trying to tell you that you need to be a certain way, believe a certain thing. And I know that we're doing our best by doing this podcast. But we're, but I think we're also going a step further, which is what I love about what you've created with the, the Discord channel is you've now created a – don't take this the wrong way, snowflakes. You've created a safe place mm. uh, where people can get away from all the bullshit, get away from all the static and all the distractions. And that the Matt Kim Discord, the podcast Discord, can certainly be a place – it can emergently grow. It can emergently change and shift. Uh, but we can also create very simple places for people to really narrow their focus and support each other in the guy shit stuff, which is don't, don't look at the fucking porn. Don't waste your time on TikTok. Don't, you know, don't waste your time with all this consumption. That's the way I look at it. We're either consuming or producing. And we have more consumers today than actual producers. So I, I'm a big fan of, of men becoming more producers. Produce something, a value, create value for your family, create value for yourself, you know, build something of substantial value to your own life and your own purposes, right? That is what I think all men strive for, but yet we have this smorgasbord of like, I like to think of it as like cotton candy or chocolate. It tastes really good going down, but it's not filling to mm. any of their souls. 
And so we're constantly empty from a soul level and a purpose level. And I think so many men are looking for that today. And hopefully we're able to help guide the future generation. Help. It's not just future generation. It's people that are our age, mm. people that are older. Mm. It's all walks of life that are looking for a community of people to be a part of, someone that they can vent to without being judged. I remember when someone came in and he went down this huge rabbit hole of all these conspiracy theories, right? <laughs> it was like he wrote a book. It was a, it was it was kind of mental vomit coming yeah. out. It was like blah blah blah, all these conspiracies. And at the end, he said, oh, "I'm sorry, maybe it was like too much." Mm. And they were like, "No, no, this get is, it out. This is the place for it. This is where you want to do that. Yeah, where else would you do it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know? And we're not, and we're not going to judge you on it. None at all. Right. You know, we're all okay to be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. And I, you know, everything that you just said, just something rose up in my gut here, Matt. Do you do you consider yourself courageous and brave for doing this podcast? I don't. Why? Because so, some would call you courageous and brave for just doing it. We've we got our first you we you you got our first strike today, didn't we? Get our first warning today. <laughs> we did get our first warning, which is crazy, and it was for COVID misinformation. And that episode, we'll leave the link, and you can go check it out on Rumble because it'll be over there because it's not allowed here anymore. But Jeez, they come on, they got it for COVID misinformation. It's but we said the same shit that all the mainstream media are saying. Literally and literally, I'm, I'm not even gonna say the words anymore because uh, we don't know no, no, no. the vid. Yeah, but COVID misinformation and it was also at that strike <laughs> or warning came at the same exact time that the Insurrectionist Lady podcast went live. Hmm. The coincidences are interesting and staggering. And that time. episode was from ten days ago. Mm. Why? Why wait? Sudden, why wait ten days? And all of a sudden, now it's a problem. Mm. That's such an odd timing. No, it's just coincidence, Matt. Shut up. They had time to analyze <laughs> it. They crawled it. They did all of that. Why wait ten days for a podcast that has what two, three hundred views? Like, why take it off now? It makes no sense. Maybe because they see the metrics and they see and they want to stifle growth early. Because they know what the trajectory is if we keep going and we don't quit. And I can see why people would get discouraged by that. Mm. But we ain't scared. No. And frankly, truthfully, we got nothing better to fucking do. (laughs) (laughs) I love that we're doing this on a weekly basis. I would love to get live streams going. I think that's really where the most fire will be. Yeah, it would be fun. We'll We'll build up Discord, continue to check it out. Thank you for watching today's episode. And uh, today, we'll cut it here. Peace out. Thank you.